All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest moderator, Julian Alexander from Slang Incorporated, and tonight's guest, Ouija Theater from the Brooklyn Circus. Thank you, everyone, for coming out. Um, tonight, as you all know, we're here with Ouija Theodore from the Brooklyn Circus, who I'm sure you have seen, um, whether it's been on the, the Brooklyn Circus's blog or whether it's been in um, Time Out Magazine's Best Dressed New Yorkers list or the two features that he had in the New York Times in 2011 or any of the 200 magazines that the brand has been featured in since it started in 2006. So again, welcome. Thank you for coming out. Thank you, Julian. <laughs> so <clears throat> as I mentioned, the brand is, is very well established, as you, you, know, you can tell from the turnout and just from the good work that you've Thank been you doing. Thank you, guys. Thank you for coming out. Sure. And I, I think a lot of people are quite familiar with what Brooklyn Circus is, but I'd like to hear from you. What is the Brooklyn Circus? The Brooklyn Circus, oh man. <laughs> the Brooklyn Circus is pretty much an extension of who we are, how we live. <clears throat> we started the brand in 2006, and it was on the heels of another store, another retail venture that I had. But uh, the experience of working retail prior to the Brooklyn Circus gave me the energy to push forward into what the Brooklyn Circus has become today. But in 2006, we started out in Brooklyn. Years later, we opened up another outlet in San Francisco. Uh, we shaped out and decided that we were going to plan out a 100-year plan. And, you know, I spoke to my accountant, spoke to other people, and they were like, a 100-year plan? Whatever happened to the five-year plan? But for us, it was really about the long term, building relationships versus it be just about the clothes. Because fashion can be vain, you know, and we can all be vain in our own sense. But I wanted the Brooklyn Circus to be bigger than just clothes, bigger than just, you know, the shoes that we sold. So the goal, again, the 100-year plan started, the style and character venture started. So the Brooklyn Circus pretty much is a men's clothing store, but it, it, it is the way we live. It's the way we live. It's the way we communicate. And everything that we do is based on that. When you talk about the 100-year plan, obviously, you know, that's, that's a long, there's a lot of ground to cover, and I think it's a long journey. And in your journey so far, I've seen the Brooklyn Circus grow from a place that pretty much exclusively sold streetwear, um, sneakers, t-shirts, sure. and it's evolved into something that's more of a reflection of your personal style. Sure. What, what was your inspiration for changing other than taking Other than taking the trips that I took to Japan and also just, you know, I'm a big researcher. I love people, I love things, I love to touch things and see things. Other than doing all the research and figuring out what was the market missing, I felt the market was missing some soul, the market was missing substance. And the 100-year plan was based on, again, I didn't want to walk down the street and hear someone say, oh, so what's next? What's next? Oh, you guys have been in business for three years, man. You only still have a store in Brooklyn? What's going on? What's the plan? You know, I, I, I wanted it to be a situation of where people saw you and they wanted to know what the 100-year plan was about. It wasn't short-term because everything was, was just so short-term. I wanted it to be long-term. And that's why the 100-year plan was, was situated. So if you see me 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, you're not going to say, oh, that's the guy that's still making the clothes. That's the guy that's still trying to get to that final point. Because 100 years, we're not gonna, I'm not going to be around to see the 100-year plan come to fruition. But uh, maybe some of you in the audience, I don't see too many young faces, but you know, our kids, our grandkids are going to be around for it. I wanted it to be something of substance and something long-term. You know, the way America was built, you know, the way the world is built. You know, like I say, Rome wasn't built in a day. So... Again, after the whole hip-hop movement and the hip-hop uh, hype of big chains and big things and big pants and big jeans and, 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 and big accounts and big cars, you know, instant, instant, what, what's next, what's next, what's next? Trends, trends, and fashion is really based on trends because fashion is designed to get you to uh, consume. I didn't want to take a part of that, so I recruited guys that were really interested in the long-term, the vision, and started building a broken circus. And you also mentioned style and character. That's, a, that's very much of a part of the identity of the Brooklyn Circus. And, you know, you started in a different place, but I think that it, it absolutely is an evolution mm -hmm. of, of what you started with. It's, it's totally different. It looks different today. But what's your take on 
today versus six years ago as it relates to where you started your core as an <laughs> urban streetwear outlet? We're still urban, we're still street, we're still very style-filled, very character-filled, you know. When we were selling t-shirts, it was about, you know, t-shirts that represented who we were. It wasn't, you know, there were no profanities on the t-shirts, they were, we didn't do t-shirts with women, naked women with exposed breasts, we didn't do any of that. And it was really graphically driven, it was very street driven, but again, there was, there was, an, there was an essence of style and, a, and an essence of character, because that's my personality. I grew up with my grandmother, uh, and my grandmother passed away this year at 92 years old. God bless her. She lived 92 years, you know, real strong. So she always instilled that in me and my aunt. You know, everybody in the family, you know, for them, it was really important that we, you know, showed, showed, showed a different side of, 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 of what people normally saw in the streets. And that's really what we decided to put into the brand because, you know, the graphic, we, we, we made the transition from graphics to woven shirts and shoes and other things. It was because that's how we felt. You know, when we wore the sneakers, and we still wear sneakers. We have a partnership now with PF Flyers. And we still wear sneakers. But again, there's something about how we dress and who we are and what we say. Because, uh, you know, clothing is uniform. You say so much without saying anything about what you wear. And so even with the graphic tees, it, there was an essence of style and, a, and an essence of character in what we did. So the evolution, it's still, we're still the same guys. Still have the same vision. It's just that again, the form of communication has evolved a bit. And you know, ten years from now, the Brooklyn Circus will be different from what it is now, but the root and the base of it will be the same. You've gotten very far with just it seems to be by following your instinct mm -hmm. rather than the business yeah, rule stupid. book. <laughs> you know, and I think that's an admirable thing. Have you struggled with how to kind of, which ways to move since you're going on instinct. I think there's a lot at stake when you make decisions. Are you ever intimidated by the fact that you're really going off? Of oh, absolutely. Gut? Absolutely intimidated, absolutely, you know, scared. But that's what drives me. That's what drives us. And I always tell the guys that, you know, it's just a matter of facing your fears. Ruben Spitz is an amazing person. We're out there looking for more relationships like that. People that have been in business for 60 years, 62 years. Amazing photographers like John Midgley in the crowd who, again, travel the world and do what they do. And, and, and love what they do, but they faced fears and they have normal fears, and, I, and we have normal fears. But as Ruby said, never give up, never give in. So, you know, if you're looking to replace us and if you're looking to, you know, be the Brooklyn Circus's next competition, you're in for a fight because we have 94 more years to go and we're just gonna keep pushing. <laughs> Absolutely. So, again, with kind of going against kind of the conventional wisdom, like one thing is location is a very important piece yes. of building a business. You're on a, black, you're on a back block. <laughs> and I, I know that that couldn't have been really embraced by a lot of people who saw you in the beginning. Probably was an obstacle to choose a location where you didn't have a lot of foot traffic. You weren't on the way of people who were, you're not in a shopping district, at least in the, in the, in the Brooklyn location. Mm -hmm. how, how did you build up enough of an identity to make your shop a destination. What's, what's beautiful about Bergen and Evans, which is where we started out in Brooklyn, and the same applies for Fillmore Street in San Francisco, is that it's a neighborhood. It gives us the opportunity to meet the neighbors, foster relationships with the locals, and Bergen and Evans has been a hidden gem, a gift to us. They built the bike lane, right in front of the store and the amount of people that ride down the block that work in the industry, whether it be fashion, music, and entertainment, and see the store and, you know, for them it's like, it's this odd thing, like, what is this beautiful store doing on this random block? But when you drive further, you realize that there are some beautiful brownstones and beautiful neighbors in the neighborhood. And I didn't want to be, we didn't want to be on a busy street and not have the opportunity to foster the relationships that we've been granted on Bergen and Evans and on Fillmore and anywhere else that we decide to put the store in. Because the neighborhood aspect of it is so important because we're neighborly guys. We have chairs outside and, you know, again, so, you know, I'm sure you guys, if you're in school, you're, you know, aspiring to get your MBA or you're speaking to an accountant or anyone else, they'll tell you that, yeah, that's a stupid business move. Why don't you go on a busy street? But for us, the neighborhood aspect of it is really what made the brand what it, what it is and what it's gonna be. It's like, you know, it's just the, the, the beauty in that neighborhood and the beauty in, 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 in letting our essence marinate into the neighborhood. It's like jerk chicken, you know? 
have to leave it on the grill and let it marinate. <laughs> and I think that's what we're doing to the industry. We're just letting ourselves be there and our presence is felt and we're marinating. So time has shown that that has been a good move Absolutely. for you, for the brand. And the Brooklyn Circus has grown. You started out in one spot on Bergen Street. You have a, now that now the store is in a different location. You have, you've built a partnership. You have Gabe, sure. who you know, helped build the brand and expand it to San Francisco. Beyond the San Francisco location, you have a distribution situation in Japan. Mm -hmm. You have um, a store within store. Chicago you, you, have, you have several things that you, you know, the places where the brand has branched out to. In addition to the store, you also have built a clothing line. How do you get to the point where you're comfortable enough to know comfortable. this is time to do that. <laughs> we live for discomfort, man. I mean, but there's a beauty in the balance of how, you know, because me as the creative director on board and, and, and head chief, my mind moves at a thousand miles an hour. And I'm, and I'm so inspired by things that I see, people that I see, and how people move and how people dress. And our goal with this 100-year plan is not to build this empire and become this billion-dollar business and launch an IPO and, 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 and make a ton of money. It's to really make a difference, because our goal is to, you know, we came into the industry, we came into the world, and our goal is to change the industry and make an impact on the industry and also make an impact on the world. So this 100-year plan is not about, you know, a thousand stores like, like fast food uh, stores. It's, 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 it's more about again, marinating and making a major difference in the game. And we've been so blessed in a matter of six years to meet the people, to meet the partners that we've met. You know, Scott Newkirk, John Mitchley, Julian Alexander, Grammy Award winning graphic artists. Like, what, am I, what are we doing working with a guy like that? You know, because years ago, for us, it was like, we can't afford Julian, we can't afford those guys, they're too expensive. But the honesty in our goal and in our vision attracted people like that. So again, it wasn't the smartest business move according to the numbers people, but according to how I felt, it was the best thing. And, and that's all we continue to push forward on. These relationships have allowed you to build special projects instead of, in lieu of advertising, mm -hmm. you have done lookbooks, you've done, you've created a community with the blog and website that gives you an outlet and lets people really get in to see who you are and feel the brand. Have you ever considered more traditional ways of presenting yourself, things outside of your immediate means? That's how I hope to look in five years, or maybe 10 years, you know? Still be in the industry for so long and still have that smirk and that, that, that smile and that honesty in your eyes. Um, for sure, the traditional way, and we respect the traditional way, but you know, initially we couldn't afford the traditional way. So we figured out, okay, how do you Tell your message, you know, and, and, and if you're honest and if you're coming in from the heart, believe me, man, you will find a way to do it. Because Ruby, again, 62 years in the hat business and the guy wakes up every morning at five o'clock in the morning, leaves Brooklyn to go out to Jersey to do what he does. So and, 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 and he's unconventional because the guy built a factory of people and, 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 and he cares about his people. So that's unconventional because you're supposed to build this business and build a factory of three, four, five hundred people and then take the business over to, you know, overseas and, and, and make a ton of money and disappear. But that's not his thing. And those are the people that we're attracted to. And that's the kind of business that we want to build. When you talk about building the, the business, it stands out to me that in the years, in the time that I've known you and, and that's everything. every day at the Brooklyn Circus. We're trying to balance things. And <laughs> everything I've read about you, every time I've heard you speak, mm -hmm. you're never presented as an owner. You're presented as a creative director. Absolutely. Tell me, tell me how important your creative, how you translate what's who in your head community? into the whole thing. You know, who owns a community? You know, we, I started the brand, yes, but, you know, I don't, the vision is in your hands. You know, you guys are here as part of the vision. People that volunteer to be in our shoots, whether it be some professional guys, but for the most part, it's friends. So who owns the community? So I can come up and give you a card that says CEO. CEO of what? Around the way? Entertainment? <laughs> it's really about, you know, the community aspect of it is so important to us. And we, we speak in that we sense versus I did and I want to do, you know, it's more we because it's a community. Because when I disappear, you know, or... or my maker calls me up, I would hope that someone steps up to lead. Of course, we always, you know, 
the team needs leadership, but someone steps up to say, hey, I'll be in charge of the community. But it's really all about us. It's a, it's, a, a, it's incredible to me that you're able to carry through that vision in mm -hmm. a way where there's consistency throughout the brand, mm -hmm. particularly when you have, as you mentioned, there's, there's different photographers, there's different people who you attract who seem to be like-minded, obviously are, just by what's produced. And I think it, you know, it takes a great deal of a ability on your part to be able to identify what's right for the brand and it's gonna mm -hmm. help carry it forward. I think that's one of the things that carried the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Circus from being a retail store or an outlet into being a lifestyle brand. Sure. And you know, those are kind of catchphrases right sure, now, sure, like sure. lifestyle and brand, <laughs> but do you think if you just were into selling clothes or doing the things that you had started out doing where it was detached from your personality, you would have, it would have been possible to find a level of success that you have? Not at all. It would have taken us 12 years to do what we did in six, absolutely, because it's not genuine. It's just you're always chasing, you know, you're always chasing things that, that it, I don't think we would have. I mean, in short term, I can go on and on, but <laughs> I don't think we would have. So being genuine and being genuine with your vision and also being genuine with your staff and also being genuine with the people that you do meet and understand. So I, I don't think we would have. It's, it's, it's just so much more that you can do with a team. And because and, and, we're, we're, we're a circus. It's the Brooklyn Circus, and that's the reason why we named the store the Brooklyn Circus, uh, because it, it's, 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 it's a group of individuals, different individuals. If you look at them, you look at the clown, and you look at whoever it is that's in the circus or the ringmaster or whoever, they, they can all do their own show. They're all strong enough to do their show, but when they come together, they create this, 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 this amazing environment that's uh, attractive to young people, to old people, to black people, to white people, to Asians, to anyone in the world, and that's, that's what's beautiful about the circus, and to odd people. Because I'm kind of odd too, but you know, <laughs> we meet some odd people at the store. <laughs> but it's beautiful, because they all, you know, there's a, there's a level of comfort that we create in the store that's genuine, that makes the oddest of the odd feel normal. The weirdest of the weirdest feel, you know, like an average person, like, dude, you're at the Brooklyn Circus, man. <laughs> I'm gonna back up to something that I touched on before. You've, there have been a lot of, um, you've had a lot of publicity, a lot of press. Sometimes it's the Brooklyn Circus, sometimes it's you as an individual. How do you direct that back to the store? Because it seems like because the store represents you, it's your vision, it's your character, as well as the team, everything that you do and the visibility you have comes back. How do you utilize that to advance the brand? I just try not to focus on it too much and, 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 and bask in it too much. You know, it's, it's like that's every morning. It's me in San Francisco. That's <laughs> what happens. That's another beautiful John Midgley shot. If you don't know about John Midgley, please change your life and <laughs> uh, research him. But I just, again, I don't, I don't internalize all the lights and all the cameras and everything that comes with it, with the interviews and all. I just don't internalize it because it's, it's, it's a day in the life. It's another thing that we have to deal with, you know? And we love all the magazines. We love everything that we've been able to do. But at the end of the day, we still have to get back to work. I still have to jump on a train. Gabe laughed and he was like, oh, we have to say, oh, the bearded man still gets on a train. Oh, absolutely. I'm Metro card toting every day. And people run into me on the train. They're like, dude, you're on a train. I'm like, absolutely, AC. <laughs> it's on time. <laughs> I am on the train. The <laughs> driver didn't show up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but again, I just don't internalize it because at the end of the day, it's all flash, it's all hype, and you've seen, whether it be in a digital space, you've seen one social media uh, uh, site go up and whoosh, right back down. Maybe it's because the owners internalize the hype and the, you know, I just try not to buy into the hype. So when I go home, it's again, me, Myself, my lady, my family, you know, I'm just an average dude with, with, with an above average dream. How do you maintain what you've accomplished with the dream on such a large scale? Is it different to you to have, you know, 
both you and Gabe largely are in New York. You have a presence, you have a physical store in San Francisco, you have a presence internationally. How do you, with such a, you know, you, you have a very tight team. Everyone plays a strong part. How do you maintain the level of success that you have outside of your immediate reach? Just handling one thing at a time. It's kind of like a coach, he's on the sideline, you know, you have to pretty much uh, make sure that you get a, a, a broad view of the entire field. And so I guess for, for, for me, it's really to stay on track, stay on track and continue to educate myself and continue to stay humble, as humble as possible. But it's definitely to stay on the ground. If you stay on the ground and focus on one thing at a time, and I know the guys are probably you know, laughing in their seats, my team, because I'm always all over the place. But, but, but generally speaking, it's, it's to, <laughs> they're like, where's weeds? You somewhere out, like, where, oh. But, but generally speaking, it's to try to stay focused as much as possible and to work with people that are not afraid to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really, really important, you know, because I, I, I can be a nutcase, but when I work with people that are better than me in certain areas, they're not afraid to tell me, hey, Weege, mm, I don't know about that. Weege, listen, I thought we said we were going to do this. Can we stay focused on that? Okay, okay, cool, cool. So it's definitely to work with people that are better than you and to also surround yourself with people that are not going to yes you all the time. And, I, and, and believe me, yes sounds great. We enjoy it and we bathe in yeses, but at the end of the day, you know, you start getting high on all the yeses. You know, you can totally lose yourself and not show up for work, literally. When you take all that you've learned and the experience you have running a men's shop, and then you start to incorporate making your own clothes. Mm -hmm. Is that a very, is that a big stretch? That was the craziest thing we decided, that was the craziest thing we ever decided to do, but it was the best thing, because it gave us the opportunity to manage, you know, to manage the quality of the product, what the, what the product communicated. Because we sold, and we also still do sell other brands, but it's, it's, it's gotten a lot tougher to find brands that are saying what we're saying. And so, and we wanted to be on the factory floors and, and, and learn as much as possible about the industry, about the garment industry, about making clothing. And so when we decided to do that, it was one of the craziest things, but it was the best thing. It was a new challenge, very much a challenge, and it's still a challenge. And we're out there every day, you know, in the factories, steaming stuff and cutting and sewing creating patterns, designing, uh, shipping stuff. You know, sometimes you might catch me with a roll of fabric on my back going from one place to the next. But it's, it's, it's again, it's, it's a great learning experience and it's so important in the field and in, 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 in the kind of work that we do. Yeah. Do well, you... I'm trying to stay grounded. <laughs> do you ever have concerns about, as the brand grows, the the same connection that you have with it, the same hands-on, like you're carrying bolts of fabric now. Mm -hmm. Are you concerned with how it will grow when it gets to a point where you can't manage it in the same way that you have to? I don't know. That I you mean, are not? I mean, I think Steve Jobs has done a great job, an amazing job, and we're here, you know, courtesy of Apple. I think Steve Jobs did an amazing job uh, at staying on the ground and making sure that the day-to-day -day operation, when he came back to Apple, making sure that the day-to-day -day operation was, you know, all the approvals and he got the final stamp. And I can be a control freak, but at the end of the day, I do respect the rest of the team, but I wanna be in the, in the trenches with the team, doing things on a day to day. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's okay. a really good philosophy. It's worked so for you till this ground. point, so. <laughs> so guys, you can't push me out. <laughs> guys know that I show up every day before everyone and I'll leave after everyone so I love it not because it's my baby but because I love the work I love it I love every minute of it it's a level of dedication absolutely absolutely and when you work with people that are better than you and people that are, are, are so far ahead in their craft and they partner with you your job is to keep up with them you know you're working with people that have traveled the world and and and, and and have an amazing sense of what their art is and are continuing to push their art. I mean, it's just, that keeps me up. Totally keeps me up and keeps me at the office early because I'm trying to get better and I'm reading as much as possible and I'm researching as much as possible because I want to be better. Better than I was yesterday, better than I, you know, 
thought that I could be tomorrow. So definitely, I'll always be on the ground running. What has been your greatest challenge? Dealing with personalities, because I'm a strong personality myself. So I guess uh, dealing with uh, managing employees and, and, and personalities. And, it's, and, I, and I think I've gotten to the point of where I understand the staff that I have now and, those are my, and I love them to death. And I've taken the time to nurture relationships with them. So, but the biggest challenge is, is, you know, employees and people that are buying into the hype. That's one of the biggest challenges. People that buy into the hype and they come and they're like, man, I want to be a part of the Brooklyn Circus. And we get emails all the time. I want to intern. I want to do this. I want to shadow you, blah, blah, blah. And then they get in and they're like, whoa, this is crazy. I thought you guys were bigger than this. Oh, yeah, no, no. You're going to carry some fabric. I'm like, why are we on the train? Why are we doing this? And why did we decide to do that? Why did we turn down this, you know, two, three million dollar deal? That's crazy. Like, what are you guys doing? It's real work. And if it doesn't come from the heart, believe me, the beautiful images, they're just a blog post away, man. It's interesting that you touched on the, the type of people that come in who seek opportunities with you because I've talked to people who have been in the store over the past year and a half. And I, I expected that many of them would say they were drawn to the store because of fashion. And mm -hmm. that's the case. I think mm -hmm. that's kind of a given. Mm -hmm. But I was surprised to hear that many were there because they're interested in business and how you've built your thing, which I think mm -hmm. is a huge testament mm -hmm. to how you connect with people. Um, do you, you know, we all have our own views of ourselves. Do you see yourself as a strong businessman? I see myself as a strong personality for sure. Businessman, I'm still figuring it out and I'm reading a lot more and still answering. And I always tell the guys, you know, instead of trying to find an answer in your head, why don't you go out and research it? Go out and read something, speak to someone else, find mentors, you know, so. Am I a business person? I am, I guess, absolutely a business person, but definitely a strong personality beforehand, which means that if I don't know the answer to it, I'm gonna figure it out. If it conquers me, if it defeats me, well, I'm coming back, <laughs> you know? And that's the same energy that I put into the team. Like, guys, listen, we're gonna fail, you know? We're gonna fail. If you're here and you're interested in business, you're gonna fail. And I know no one wants to fail, but you're gonna fail. But the strength in successful business people is that they know how to recover. So am I a businessman? Yeah, sure, because I know how to recover. I'm gonna continue to recover. And the day that I don't have the energy to recover, I don't have a purpose. Well put. What is he saying? I had to sit with that for a second. Weeds, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I agree with you fully. And I think, you know, part of what attracted me, me personally, to the brand and to you is not only the business that you've done, but the, the style and character. It's been the way that I see you in the community, the way you interact with people. And, and I think that's just a very important thing. And I think it, it sometimes gets lost when people think of business. They, they separate it from themselves as, in, as individuals. And I think that the you carry on with that marriage of personality within your business. It has a lot to do with the level of success that you and the team have found. Would, what do you feel, what's something that you're working on now? Like not only as it relates to, you know, we want to open another store or anything like that, but just something you're working on that's going to help advance you personally, business-wise? What challenges are you looking for right now, trying to embrace? Challenges, uh, and we had the conversation a few weeks back. I went out to Philly to meet up with some folks, because, and we had the conversation at the office too. For us, any area that we decide to uh, venture into, there has to be a genuine interest in the area, and we have to find genuine partners. So Philadelphia, we teamed up with Sky Blue Media. Rakia Reynolds is amazing. She's dynamic, based in uh, Philadelphia. And we partnered with her and also went out to research the Philadelphia space because there was always an interest. It's the city of brotherly love and Cosby's from there and Liberty Bell and you know tons of stuff. But we're heavily inspired by the Huxtables, by the way. 
Bill Cosby, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, we, went, we went to Philadelphia to find the partners and to understand the nature and the culture of Philadelphia to find ways for us to then partner with and move that culture forward and also move our culture forward. So what are we working on now? Making sure that we continue to do that, making sure that we build our client base versus our customer base. You know, because a customer comes, buys something, and leaves. A client, you know, you have to service. You have to understand your client's needs. You have to understand what your client, uh, uh, where your client is headed, to then always be a few steps ahead of your client to surprise your client. So for now, our goal is, and we have a database of over 40,000 people and names and emails, and, and I have a background in promotions, and that was golden, 40,000, 50,000, 100,000 people on a mailing list. Dude, that's pretty intense, you know, for a small company. But our goal is to get it down to maybe, you know, 6,000, if not less. But people that we understand, people that we can relate to, or not necessarily relate to, but people that we have a better relationship with and that we can continue to service as opposed to trying to sell 40, and the list is a little bit more than 40, but trying to sell 40,000 people is one item that you know wasn't necessarily built for such a large database. So our challenge now is to, again, wheel things back. As things get bigger, as you know, all opportunities come, our goal is to wheel things back and actually get smaller, get tighter, but service our clients in a bigger way. It's a much challenge, trust me, because bills have to be paid and staff <laughs> has to be paid and the guy's like, dude, why are we scaling back? But we've been at that crossroad before. That's a, I think it's a noble thing to kind of go after a more focused group than a broader and more vast thing. And I, and it's different, but what you're saying reminds me a little bit of the experience that you create within the store. Um, from the fact that when you go in, it's not just new clothes, there's antiques, I mean vintage, I'm sorry, there's vintage, there's books that you sell, there are antiques within the store, there's a lot of things and I think it's really about cultivate, creating an experience. So I know that there are a lot of people who go to the store who may not buy anything, but they enjoy that environment. They enjoy that experience. And I think it's something that's very new for the people who are growing with you. I think it, it may be their first exposure to that experience. Mm -hmm. Is How did you gain those experiences to know to do these things? How did you it's, come across? You know, we, we, everything that we bring back to the store, uh, to the stores or to our product are things that we personally enjoyed. If I travel somewhere and I see something or I smell something, you know, and I think that it can work with the store, I figure out a way to make it, you know, such. If I experience something like, yo, Colin, you should have seen this, man. I saw this, oh my God. When you walked into the space, the lights changed, you know, things like that. So again, everything that we enjoy and we experience, because we're not selfish. We're not selfish about our experiences as well. And so we bring it back into the brand. And if I see an amazing photographer doing some amazing stuff, I'm like, dude, I want to work with this guy. I want to, you know, figure out a way to partner with him and, 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 and let the world and let other people and let the Brooklyn Circus world see that beautiful work. And John happens to be that guy. He didn't sponsor the night. And I know I said John four times, but we love John. But, you know, we wanted when, when I saw his work, it was like, dude, I want the rest of the world to see this. And he was just as interested in our work, you know, because he lived up the block. He was like, I like what you're doing. Like. I'm a photographer. When I saw the work, I was like, whoa, can't afford this. <laughs> but again, we partnered, and the rest is history. So certainly sharing our experiences with, this, with the team. I've had customers walk into the store, buy a shirt, and they're like, no, 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 you don't need to wrap it up. No, 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 no. Is that going to cost? Like, no, that's free. That's part of the, that's, that's what we do. I'm like, really? Another store, they don't do that. Like, well, you know, I get it. <laughs> But you're at the Brooklyn Circus, so right. we're going to give you the full experience. Because if I walk into a luxury store or I walk into a store and they wrap my shirt in tissue paper and hand me the bag and come around the corner to come around the counter to hand me my bag, you know, and it makes me feel a certain way, I want the customers to feel that. I want the rest of the staff to understand the importance of that. It's appreciated. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're a customer. He's a customer. <laughs> <laughs>
normally I think I would try and talk a little bit more. I want to give you, an, if there's anything you want to say right now, I want you to do that. Otherwise, there's a lot of people, so I'm sure there's a lot of questions, and I, I want to make sure they have an opportunity sure. to question the beard. <laughs> so. I want to look that happy five, 10 years, 50 years from now, you know? This guy's been in the industry for years, and he's a big Brooklyn Circus fan, and we're huge fans of his as well. And he walked into the shop. He's like, I'm looking for the bearded man. Somebody came into the office and was like, yeah, Moses is looking for, for you, Weege. I'm like, really? What'd he say? It's like, oh, he's looking for the bearded man. I'm like, really? Oh, okay. I guess he's reading the blog. <laughs> and we came. I walked into the shop and kicked it, and the rest is, again, history. But for him to be in the industry for so long, and there are tons of people that are in the industry, in the music industry, in fashion, in literature, and they still thoroughly enjoy what they do and, 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 and have built a certain level of, of, of notoriety. But, you know, you can see this guy walking down the streets and see him and, and, and balance that, 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 you know, that exposure and that energy. That's important, man, because I don't want to become this, you know, big fame manga and not be approachable. You know, I've, I've seen people on Twitter like, oh, the bearded man is so approachable. Yeah, I'm approachable for sure. I should be. I don't want you to run and hug me, but you know, <laughs> like, dude, I love you. <laughs> I love you too, man. But damn, tight <laughs> <I> hug. <laughs> but you know, definitely want we want the brand to be approachable. We right. want us as individuals, and you know, because this is the way we live. Like you said earlier, lifestyle has been thrown around so much, but this is the way we live. When I go home, like, I don't take off this. I do take off the hat. Absolutely, I do. <laughs> but you know, it's not like. But the beard does stay on. Absolutely. The beard stays on. <laughs> but I don't go home. It's like, whew, this bearded man stuff is tiring, bro. This, this Brooklyn Circus stuff. Whew. <laughs> Throwing some basketball shorts. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is what we do, man. This is the way we live, man. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> cool. With that, I'm going to give some of the people who came out an opportunity to ask whatever questions they may have. Um, how did you, how did you deal with the lowest parts of getting your business up and running? You know, finances. I know you said sure. dealing with people was one thing, but sure. you know when them times are really tight, how did you you know stay focused and, and deal with that? Dollar in a dream, man. It's again, if you, and I know we've been blessed with the opportunities, and we we were blessed with having some of the financial support that we have. Never took out a loan, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's really trying to stay as focused as possible. And believe me, there are times where, you know, I mean, there were times where I'd wake up in the morning like, okay, and I have to figure this out. But being raised by my grandmother, she's again, Caribbean descent. I am of Caribbean descent. So there's always a little bit saved up somewhere. <laughs> so she, again, taught me that. And my lady always thinks that I have money hiding somewhere in the house. <laughs> Gigi always thinks that. Always have money. Well, yeah, for sure. But, <laughs> but definitely um, staying on course and, and, and trying to plan ahead as, as, as much as possible because we've made a ton of financial mistakes. Tons, tons. And I look back and I'm like, dude, spent, oh my God. But um, just staying on course and, and, and trying to plan as much as possible. And later on down the line, we brought on an accountant and we're in the market for a CFO, someone to kind of control Ouija and his crazy ideas or the staff. <laughs> You know, mostly me and my crazy ideas because I'm always out spending money on things because there's something that we need to do with this, you know, and so. Cool. Thanks, man. How you doing? My name is Terry. I'm from the Bronx. Um, I wanted to ask a question about the line has been ever-involving in a sense. Mm -hmm. Are most of your ideas creatively thought or a business move? Because you tend to, you put out some stuff, man. I be sitting here saying to myself, like, where'd you come up with the varsity line? Or what made you do the buttons? Like, mm -hmm. was it just random or it was like you really sat down and planned it out? A lot of it is, a lot of it is, a lot of it for us, the creativity comes before the business, which is crazy. I wouldn't advise it unless that's really what you absolutely want to do. You know what I mean? If you can stick to it and say, hey, I'm going to put creativity at the forefront of business, like, stick to it. But... I do sometimes go back and forth, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really about putting out a better product and putting out a product that we're proud to wear because we have to wear the stuff too. It's, again, like I said, I don't go home and, and, and take off you know, this BKC look. I have to wear it. So at the end of the day, yeah, creativity comes first for us, which is crazy. It's the craziest business you know, approach, but again, 
crazy people have built this world, so I hope. <laughs> how, do you f how did you figure out the price? Because like, you know, you're just starting out. Like, how did you figure out that, oh, this is going to be this certain price? Because you're brand new to the scene. Mm -hmm. How does someone like, oh, I'm going to drop $100 on this, I'm whatever. Like, how did you like, bring the brand in first? Like, how did you make them like, fall in love with that so they don't mind spending like $100 or $300? Right. It's, it's again, we're, we're, we're our biggest test market. You know, and there's so many different personalities, and we're all literally five or ten, some five, some eight or ten years apart. You know, myself and Colin and Gabe and Brandon and Dillon and, you know, uh, San Francisco team, uh, Isaac and Earl and everyone. We're all, you know, Chamunia, we're all like five, roughly five or six or seven or eight years apart. And so that's, I mean, we have such an amazing, diverse group of people on board. We're, we're our own test market. Would you buy it? Like, how much is a shirt? 140 bucks, and sometimes I do walk into shops and I'm like, what? Your shirt's 100 and what? Oh, that's the price we're selling our shirt to. <laughs> but again, we don't just slap prices on things. There's a formula, you know, cost of goods, cost of fabrics, production, you know, time and effort, and all the whole formula, and we calculate it. But at the end of the day, it has to add up to not just the price that the shirt costs, but more. You know, if it's a $140 shirt, you know, it should look like a $165, $175 shirt. But I still get sticker shocks sometimes. <laughs> yeah. This stuff, you can research it for sure, you know, figure it out. And also, you've, you made a decision to go American-made with a lot of sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Which is, is for the end result and the quality, but it costs more to produce. Correct? Oh, absolutely. It costs a whole lot more to produce here in America because the cost of labor is a lot more. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, you mentioned uh, at the very beginning that you have a design background. Mm -hmm. um, how much do you design on a, now, on a regular basis? Yeah, on we a still do. Basis. We still do design. We're, you know, one of the things that we absolutely need on board is a full-time designer. But you know, crazy us, and we can't afford one. We decided to, and and, and again, I don't think I'm ready for a full-time designer or a team of designers. So we do it all ourselves for sure. So we're still involved. I'm still involved in the design process. Myself and Gabe, the art director, we're still involved, you know, in that process. So we're going out. We're 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 the sourcing agents. We're designers, you know. And, and if we if I knew how to make patterns, I'd make the patterns too. Because sometimes, you know, I'm like, dude, like that's not what I said. You know, like you need to tweak this and work this and go through it a few times. But we still do design. Uh, myself and Gabe, I'm I'm a graphic designer. Uh, I have a back background in graphic design, so that's more of my strength. And I'm sorry to say that in front of Julian because he's amazing. So I don't call myself a graphic designer in front of him. But at the end of the day, that's what we do, uh, what I do best. But, you know, running a business, you have to learn it all. You have to learn it all. So we, do, we still do design. But a lot of the designs that we do are based on classic elements and finding ways to tweak the classics, make them better, make them fit our lifestyle. Because, again, you know, certain things are built for a certain environment and, because we go from one environment to the next to the next, you know, from the store to the streets, to a meeting, to an event, you know, we have to create product, product that actually can transition from one space to the next. And that's some of the challenges that we face. We don't just sit at the table and design these fabulous gowns and we, we, you know, no, no, we don't. <laughs> Valentino, no, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not us. <laughs> More function. Weed, what's up, man? Hey, what's up? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> um, over the years, I know you had a lot of negative energy towards you. I wanted to know how you stayed so positive and knew, like, you know, Brooklyn Circus is going to work. How you stayed, you know, positive and stay humble. I didn't know there were negative energy, so that's, <laughs> that's easy to manage because I didn't know <laughs> what negative energy. <laughs> so that, that was easy. Just, you know, if you don't know it exists, you know what I mean? You don't have to entertain it. What negative energy? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I know there's, there's people out there who probably, you know, said, um, you know, you should quit or this is not going to work oh, oh. or, you know, why are you doing this? And I just want to know what made you stay positive. Oh, like, positive. What, the people that were saying that, oh, what are you guys doing on a random street? I looked at them like they were, they were confused. You know, when people look at me and I look funny and I dress funny and, I, and, and, and why are you on this random street? You know, I look at them like they're confused, like sitting on a gym. <laughs> I look funny. This is what I do, <laughs> you know? So at the end of the day, it's easy to, you know, you just have to transfer the energy back to people. Because normally people question what you do because they themselves 
don't know how to do it, or they don't see you know, the, 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 the confidence in themselves to, to actually do it. So if someone said that Bergen and Nevin's like, what are you guys doing on this random block? Because you don't understand what the random block has to offer. So I just throw the energy back at them. Why are your pants like that? Why are your pants like that? I don't know. It's what I do. <laughs> it's just what I do, dude. <laughs> it's full time. Um, so obviously you're a New York guy, and um, I'm sure you've seen how the guys dress back in the 90s or so, like that generation. And um, I think anyone that grew up in that generation kind of got lost in how to dress in comparison to the decades before that. So considering where we were back in like 1995, for example, and where we are now, how do you, I mean, uh, you might disagree with me, but I think you're the kind of the leader of a particular generation in terms of uh, guys dressing in a particular way. And uh, how do you feel like, or what do you feel, what are we going to do in terms of getting the kids, the young kids now dressing, or how do you feel like, um, how, how are they going to dress now in terms of uh, dressing now into the next 20 years? How, how are we going to um, lead them? We've, we've and, I've, and I've had the conversation, and believe me, I've probably, over the years, I've probably seen 20,000 young guys with their pants, you know, below their waist. And I've told every single one of them to pull up their pants in my head. In my head. Not to them. Oh, absolutely not. I am not wrestling. I am not wrestling with a young guy. <laughs> absolutely not. Dude, you know, and in my head, I'm like, but it's in my head. But the most important thing is to pass on, you know, I have leaders on board, and I'm a leader in, uh, myself. The way I dress, if, 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 if with the image and what we do on the blog and the people that we work with, the message is stronger and just letting them see. Because we've had guys that started shopping with us that started out at 2X and 3X and dropped down to a medium. Not a tight medium, a medium. It fits you. So... For us, it's more about you know, showing the example, because I can sit there and preach to them all day and jump on the forums and tell them what to wear and what not to wear. My pants are baggy today, you know, but my shirt is small. But you know, at the end of the day, it's really about the examples. We're just showing, we're, just, we're, we're, we're being more of an example than being another you know, adult or funny dressing guy that's telling me how to dress. Like, dude, you don't know how to dress, man. Your shoes don't match your shirt and don't match your hat and match that wallet and match, you know, everything's, but at the end of the day, it's just, we're just being examples. And so I, I can't tell, and I do, again, in my head, I tell them to pull up their pants. Dude, I've seen more boxers and more male behinds than, you know, in all the years that I've been on this earth. But at the end of the day, hey, I was young too. I sagged my pants, you know, but I like the guys doing it now. It's crazy. But at the end of the day, I can't tell them, you know, you just have to continue to be an example. We have, doing? We, we have time for two more questions. Go right Aww. ahead, thanks. How you doing? Uh, James from Brooklyn. Um, I was fortunate enough to sit in on a meeting with you one day in the fall, and you mentioned that sometimes you get so caught up in a lifestyle that you forget that you have to sell clothes. Mm -hmm. Has that gotten easier? Have you, figured problem, out, yes. have you figured out ways to uh, <laughs> have you figured out ways to deal with that? So. Yeah, we. I mean, it's a balance. There are times that you know we have blackout moments where it's like I don't care if it doesn't sell. It's this is it. It looks good. And then you're like, all right, let's make it sell. All right, let's figure out how to, you know. But but at the end of the day, it's it's because we do love this. We love it and we love it thoroughly. But we do have to, we do have to make it because because the most important thing about what we do. Is, 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 is the distribution and the spread. So when, when we sell a piece of our lifestyle, when we sell the Brooklyn Circus, it's, we're selling you not the garment, but the message. So it is important that we do uh, uh, spread the brand and sell product and get the brand into other countries and into other hands and in, into other neighborhoods because we're selling a message. And if the message is inclusive, we defeated ourselves. So we're working on that. Hey, Tio, cool. Uh, we were talking about hype a little bit earlier on and how you, know, so you, you were in a position where at one point there were two, three million dollar deals at stake. What's the closest you've come to sort of compromising that initial vision? You know, it's predicated on honesty and neighborliness. Um, and how close have you gotten to sort of even considering doing something crazy like that? Two hours. <laughs> 30 minutes, you know, dodging phone calls. And it was crazy just having investors, you know, call you and they're like, oh my God, this dude is calling me to give me money. 
and I'm nervous. And I don't want to pick up because at the end of the day, and you know, what's funny is last year we hosted a round table and you know, I was preaching to the gang, like, you know, this community, the hundred year plan, and God sent this opportunity to test me. You know, and, and, and throughout the whole process, you know, I was saying to myself, how am I gonna walk into this meeting and tell the guys like, hey guys, listen, I can't make certain decisions because we've just been bought out and I have blah, 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 you know? So, and it was really tough and believe me, Gabe and I, and Gabe thought, you know, I was crazy. I was like, Gabe, listen, I'm gonna go home tonight, and do some more reading, I'm gonna figure this out, figure out what we should do and pray on it and come back tomorrow with an answer. And I came back tomorrow, I was like, Gabe, I'm thoroughly convinced that we shouldn't push forward. And are you still retaining that sort of power or that sort of decision-making ability? Day by day. Cool. It's tough. It's really tough. It's really hard. But again, the more you, you know, and, and, and Mo said something to me. He said, the more you don't need them, is the more you don't need them. Cool. Thanks a lot. Cool. We have time for one more. Just one more. Do you plan on starting a line for women? In the near future. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We're going boys first. We're going boys. Where's, where's our young man? Can we flash back? We're going boys first. We're going boys first. And we've explored the, the, the female. And you guys, are, you guys are just, you guys got it figured out, man. <laughs> and I grew up with four sisters, you know, four sisters. But we do everything down to an extra small, you know, for our Asian market and also for the ladies, extra, extra small. But we're going to explore the, f the boys first, the boys, for sure, for sure. So to answer that, not in the next two or three or four seasons. Not in the next two seasons, at least. You guys got to figure it out. <laughs> Expensive bag and all, you know, $20, $30 pieces, and you look fabulous. Men, we can't do that. <laughs> it's tough. That's a $20 shirt, too. <laughs> Tuxedo shirt at that. They're trying to make it look... <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, thank you everyone for coming out. And Ouija, thank you. Thank so you. Much. Thank you, guys.